Welcome to episode 119 of the GTO on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started. So my first topic is around Mobile World Congress Americas. So I attended this week for two days. And, uh, you know, from a, from a theme perspective, there was a lot of discussion around private networking, um, open RAN and millimeter wave. And in fact, uh, the millimeter wave session, breakout session, was the uh, the largest attended session. So obviously, there's a lot of focus now being you know directed there. And you know the applications we've talked about the applications for millimeter wave on on prior podcasts around venues and and that sort of thing. But um, I'd like to share. I, I had two great panel experiences at the event. One was with the Besson Group. And so the Besson Group is focused on providing tools to businesses that are scoping and planning private networking deployments. I mean, oftentimes, you know, a lot of companies don't know where to start. And so that was a great panel discussion. FirstNet was on the panel. I was on the panel. Alex Besson, who's the principal of the Besson Group, was on the panel. And we really talked about verticals, applications, use cases, and that sort of thing. Um, there isn't a, a recording of that session, um, but I did share some insights on Twitter. So um, go check that out. Um, the other activity I participated in was with T-Mobile. And so I served as a judge for their inaugural unconventional awards. And what we did, myself and three other judges uh, prior to the event, there was, um, there was a website that companies could submit um, their applications for, uh, for nomination. There were three categories. Uh, business and employee enablement, and a third, which escapes me, but I've shared all of this detail on my social media channels, but it was fantastic. Uh, we, had, uh, we had a panel during the day. Um, we were talking about, um, you know, how 5G and, you know, other technologies are being leveraged to really do transformative things, and, and that was really a nice setup for, for the event. And um, we, we awarded three winners. And, and what, I, what I found really interesting about all three of the um, uh, participants that won first place, uh, Morehouse College um, in particular, that's actually Martin Luther King Jr.'s alma mater. Uh, we awarded them, and you'll, you'll like this, we, we awarded them first place because they're leveraging T-Mobile 5G um, within a metaverse university um, curriculum. And they're actually um, teaching and, and lining out degree plans uh, that provide um, skills to people to participate in the metaverse. And, and that's certainly a, an esoteric concept. You know, I know you've talked about it because you focus on mixed reality. But what, what I really like about what they were doing with it is, um, you know, very practically using virtual reality to, to make a more immersive online learning experience. And what's also great about that is, you know, bringing you know more of a uh, on-campus experience and being able to extend that um, to um, to you know a greater number of people and potentially do that more cost effectively because not everyone can afford tuition you know i'm putting my second daughter through college and it's about five thousand dollars a semester uh, not including room and board but at the end of the day um, it was a fantastic week for me and i shared a lot of uh, details on my Twitter feed and my LinkedIn feed. Um, I know you weren't there, but did you did you catch any of the news? Yes, well, some of my topics are actually going to be uh, about the news. Um, oh, good. So um, I'll, I'll kind of uh, just uh, let, let us transition into that because my next topic is actually 
an announcement from Verizon uh, about this. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and I and I've my third topic will be something that was announced at the show too. But so with that, let's 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 let you take it over. And you want to talk about um, you want to talk about Razer. You want to talk about Verizon first. Well, actually, uh, the Razer Edge five G was announced by Verizon at okay. MWC twenty twenty two Americas. Um, Actually, one of their PR guys was the person who tweeted it out, mm-hmm. um, and then everybody picked it up. So my understanding is um, this is the um, updated, modified version of the Razer device that they had built, that Qualcomm had built with Razer uh, and announced late last year as mm-hmm. a development device. Um, and I think you know this is obviously a much more consumer-focused version of that. Um, so I think this isn't necessarily the same device, but it yeah. is running the same G3X chipset, um, and it does have 5G connectivity. Um, and Razer will be giving a full reveal of this device on October 15th. Um, but what's really interesting is this device follows another Qualcomm-based device that's not 5G connected, um, made by um, Logitech in partnership with Tencent. Mm-hmm. which I believe the next gen will probably have 5G, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, but in general, this is like a pretty big deal because a lot of people are very excited about handhelds and with, you know, the, the Switch and the Steam Deck both doing really well. So I think this is a really interesting announcement and it was, you know, interesting timing uh, since, you know, there's a, uh, a real full-blown announcement coming, but I think Verizon kind of wanted to get ahead of it and yeah. talk about the 5G mm-hmm. connectivity side of things. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm I'm hoping that I can get my hands on one so I can kind of experience a fully dedicated 5G gaming handheld because there isn't one today. And mm-hmm. this is probably going to be the first one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, you, you shared some some updates on on the Google platform, right, as well. Oh, yeah. So I... Stadia is being shut down. Yeah. So that that will impact some people's uh, ability to do 5G gaming mm-hmm. over the cloud. But I actually think that Stadia will live on as a white white label service for ISPs like AT&T that are already doing that yeah. and other game developers that want to have cloud streaming capabilities to compete with what Microsoft and Sony have. Right. So... So the platform would remain in place, but obviously the hardware is going away, right? I would say it's actually, I think the hardware will still be there because okay, the only hardware you really needed was a Google Chromecast. So yeah, it, I think the G- GPUs will still stay in the data center. They'll just have a different, you know, platform that they technically run on, but it's still going to be Stadia with a new name or, or no name. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm going to save uh, my my Mobile World Congress um, announcement uh, towards the end, but I want to talk about T-Mobile. Um, so this is a very magenta podcast today. Um, but T-Mobile this week, it was in a light reading um, article, um, revised its, uh, its fixed wireless access subscriber targets. So um, originally they had communicated, they felt like they could get to like nine, nine and a half million subs by 2025. So they've revised that back to 8 million. And so it got me thinking, um, you know, you know, what, what's going on here? They've been too bullish. 
And then also, um, how, how does this, how does their FWA service sort of impact what they're doing from a mobile standpoint? So with, within the article, they were talking about how I think now T-Mobile recognizes that when, when they get to that level of subscribers. And so right now they're probably at about a million and a half or, or so, but when they get there, the, the one thing they have to be very, very cognizant of is managing that the, the bandwidth of spectrum, right? So that they don't, they don't, the FWA services don't choke out the mobility users, right? So, um, so for the first time, I, I in, in this article, you know, I'm I'm seeing that that T-Mobile understands that, and that um, they're going to be sort of uh, factoring for that, and and future build-out plans to make sure that they can deliver a, a very very robust fixed wireless access service while not cratering um, its its mobility service. So, any thoughts? Yeah, I think this is an interesting development because I think there are definitely some people out there that have been kind of, you know, waving the red flag on that yeah. um, in terms of capacity. Well, their, um, competitors, also, their competitors have big time, right? Yeah. Um, but also their competitors don't have as much spectrum. Right. So, um, you know, they don't really have the ability to even do this if they wanted to. Uh-huh. Um, I think long term, uh, T-Mobile is going to try to bifurcate and they're kind of already doing this um bifurcate their customers based on unlimited users yeah and users that have data caps um and i think that's a good way for them to be able to limit usage of the network and utilization but honestly i think the the big problem i see for at-home internet use use in general is like tv streaming yeah Um, because if they can solve that problem I think they can serve a lot more users because most internet traffic is inherently bursty except for streaming TV services. Right. And even then, if you look at like how it's done, it's usually done in big chunks. And then, you know, it's kind of like big bursty chunks if you watch your your little progress bar. Yeah. Um, so I think that this is just going to be another problem that they need to solve. Uh, and they've got some time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But... Overall, I, I think that fixed wireless access is, is is creating a disruption in the market to the point where their competitors are going to have to reconsider, you know, how they how they offer their their internet services and what what kinds of deals they offer. And mm-hmm. I, I just think it's a net positive for everybody. But you're right; I, I do think it's interesting to see that they're revising a little bit um, yeah. within maybe reality. Yeah, no. Um, so it was it was probably a long time coming. So, um, but let's move to your second topic. And you know, you're you're talking a lot about Verizon today, but you want to talk about um, a partnership between Verizon and Lockheed. Yeah. So Verizon and Lockheed have previously announced their five G military platform, which is called five G mil or five G mil, mm-hmm. and. They've been working together a lot on 5G-enabled use cases, and they recently revealed that they worked together to use four 5G-enabled drones to capture and transfer intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, also known as ISR, mm-hmm. data from aircraft in flight and use it to geolocate military targets. And this is really interesting because I literally just yesterday watched a video of a Ukrainian drone flying over a target while Ukrainian fighter jets flew over the target and bombed it. 
And, huh. you know, that kind of uh, sparked my thought about like this platform and where you can use drones as scouts and right. to give you real time data, right? Because what ends up happening in a lot of military situations is you get data on where your enemy is, but it can be outdated if they're in a moving, if they're moving. But yeah. if your drone is constantly tracking them, or if you have a drone that can track them, um, you know, it really changes how you're able to fight war. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, you know, 5G would be dependent on being able to uh, have connectivity in the country you're in, if it's mm -hmm. not your home turf. Right. Um, and, that, and and a security thing, if, if your 5G networks aren't down. So um, that's something to consider as well. I think they were using millimeter wave here yeah. um, to, to, to do this communication. So it's probably a very much point to point line of sight kind of um, application for 5G. Yeah. Um, but the first, they actually did two different applications. The first involved transmitting real-time ISR, RF, and streaming data over 5G millimeter wave. And then the other was to use the advanced signal processing algorithms to process that data at the network edge and display it in a live stream video feed. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not really sure I would call that two applications. I would call that one end and the other end of the application. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting to see that there are more um, compelling 5G applications within defense to enable a, you know more effective fighting force. Yeah, you know, and you know, I'm not a military armament expert, but I know GPS uh, factors into a lot of um, missile guidance systems and that sort of thing. Um, and you know, I'm hesitant to to say that this is a killer 5G use case or 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 application, but we've talked about you know the military applications with 5G and it's quite compelling. And I think also eventually, you know, for theaters of war, heaven forbid, um, you'll see, you know, uh, the ability for the military to bring in mobile, you know, you know, you know, cell towers and that sort of thing and mobile infrastructure to set up pop-up networks because um, that's one of what's one of the use cases today with, with you know, with 5G and LTE is that you can do these pop-up networks for like construction sites and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I was yeah, going to say, but the only... I know this is punny, but any any military 5G application is technically a killer app 5G application. <laughs> That's a good point. So I thought you were making the joke. I didn't think you realized you had made it. I no, I made it, but I I'm I'm a little I'm a little tired from from Mobile World Congress. So my my delivery was a little off there. So <laughs> but let's let's go to my third and final topic this week. So I want to talk about NTT. Um, they had a big announcement at Mobile World Congress Americas around um, their plans to help the city of Las Vegas deploy the largest private 5G network. Um, and it's um, it's basically they're claiming it's the largest municipal CBRS deployment. Salona hmm. is also involved. And I think I've, I've connected the dots on this one before. Um, NTT is actually, uh, they have uh, an equity interest in Salona, um, hmm. as do a few other companies as well. And um, Solana, one of you know, Solana does a couple of things. So they're they're sort of a private network in a box. They provide um, a radio core, you know, and all of the software to manage that. Um, so Solana's uh, their 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 control, you know, basically their 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 control console um, is uh, is a part of, of this solution as well. And I, I thought the applications were interesting because initially, when you think of smart city, you think about you know you know first responder and, you know, like traffic management, that sort of thing. And certainly that's part of it, but 
Um, there are some applications like for the Clark County School District um, to support remote learning and, uh, and also telehealth services. So, you know, Las Vegas is an interesting place. I mean, it's sort of a boomtown right now. I mean, there, there's a new casino built, it seems like every year. But um, we've talked about Las Vegas in the past, and we've also talked about um, Halo, that, that autonomous um, kind of fractional, you know, kind of rental car service where um, someone remotely pilots the vehicle to you. And, um, and then once the vehicle is delivered, then uh, you get in. And of course, it's not, it's not autonomously piloted at that point, but you, you get in and you drive away. So, and that's leveraging T-Mobile's um, quite extensive 5G uh, network deployment in the city of Las Vegas. So, um, but this is CBRS, so it's, it's a little bit different. It's different spectrum. But boy, I mean, Las Vegas is becoming a real showcase for, for private networking. So what are, what are your thoughts? Well, I would also say that, um, you know, there's a lot of industries in Las Vegas that would benefit from private networking. Yeah. Um, I also think that Las Vegas is a great city for doing any kind of um, cellular deployment because it's flat. Um, yeah. yeah. It's surrounded by mountains. Yeah. But Vegas itself, like, is incredibly flat. Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably you know, a great environment for deploying wireless technologies. If you remember, yeah. I think Vegas was the first, if not one of the first WiMAX cities as well. It was. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, I just think that it, it's good that Las Vegas as a city is enabling this. Um, and that's good on their government to, you know, enable new use cases. But I would also say that I think there's a lot of money flowing through Vegas. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of applications where a small improvement to connectivity or you know a small technology upgrade could yield millions of dollars and pay yeah. for itself you know within a year or two yeah you know it, that's an interesting observation i didn't really think about that about just the topography of the city lends itself to being you know there, there's you know there, there's really no you know kind of propagation you know challenges there um especially in low band and mid band um, so, um, yeah. And then when you think about the fact that, you know, besides Orlando, Las Vegas, in Las Vegas is like definitely the number one, um, you know, spot for, for big, big events and conventions, um, just given the infrastructure that's there. But, um, but what another fantastic way to expose a lot of people to the power of 5G as well. So I think all of that in combination and like to your point, um, you know, you know, they're they're able to build those those multi-billion dollar casinos in the middle of the desert. Um, money is no object either. So that, that all sort of comes together nicely there. But so let's move to your third and final topic. And I, I want to weigh in on this as well, because I spent time with Mishka uh, Dagon um, that um, does uh, manage uh, 5G strategy for T-Mobile for Business. But I'll let you take it away. So they, they announced um, some vertical industry solutions. Uh, to support their their prior private networking um, announcement. Yeah, so basically, as a as a component of its fairly new five uh, G advanced network solutions business, um, T Mobile announced its advanced industry solutions. So uh, this is kind of like taking a lot of the components of what's in the advanced network solutions and building to your point vertically focused complete solutions that are designed to make um you know different businesses 
you know, lives easier with when it comes to connectivity. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they highlighted four industries, but there's going to be a lot more applications from what it seems like. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're winding in, you know, a ton of partners in this mm-hmm. as well. So this is not all just T-Mobile and connectivity. It's all, it's services, um, it's support, yeah. um, it's hardware, it's devices, it's connectivity. It's all of it all at once. Um, and this is, I think, a way for T-Mobile to show that it is a um, a leader in the space and not just providing the connectivity, but showing people how to use it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, offering these services um, and these advanced industry solutions will, I think, theoretically help uptake, which is why I think it exists. Um, and, you know, they don't want to necessarily say, here's 5G. Um, you know, they want to say, here's a whole suite of things that we think can help your business right. that involve using 5G and, and increase our ability to, you know, add new customers. But uh, I'll, I'll make a quick uh, round of the big four. Um, they've got retail, manufacturing, logistics, and municipalities. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about, you know, um, different companies uh, that they're able to take as partners. Um, so in the retail space, they have Retail Light, which is an analytics company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in manufacturing, um, they have AR, um, and that's from a company called Tactile, which I think mm-hmm. we've talked about before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've, I actually know, I've heard of them before, and they are an AR enterprise company. And there's logistics from companies like Geotab. Um, and then there's municipalities, which they didn't have a specific partner there. But yeah. um, clearly, they're they're partnering with experts in, the sp- in these different spaces and pairing it with their connectivity and and finding the right devices and creating solutions so that when there is a company that comes to T-Mobile and says they're interested in 5G, they don't just say, we've got 5G for you. Well, we've got like a whole suite of things that you can look at. Yeah, no, you know, and it's it's really compelling. And as I I mentioned before, I spent time with, with Mishka Dagan and um, we, we talked about these. And so the municipality, uh, that's obviously smart city use cases. But mm-hmm. what I really like about this strategy is that, and I tweeted something out to this effect, that um, I, so IoT um, is really becoming, I see that becoming T-Mobile's on-ramp into being a legitimate enterprise service provider. And um, they, they've, they've had you know, several wins there. But what I like about this announcement is that it's taking its its 5G footprint, it's uh, bringing IoT into that, and then what they are doing for these four verticals is they're taking a best of breed approach to your point, and they're aligning and it's, it's so they're they're taking the guesswork out of it. So I, I recall Mishka telling me that sort of across the four verticals there are about 35 partners that are involved, and so they're they're leaning heavily into their TIoT initiative, which is a global initiative. Um, they're obviously FWA is going to be a part of these solutions as well. And if you recall their advanced network solution launch earlier this year, really kind of spoke to what they're doing to, um, deliver public, private, and hybrid connectivity because one size does not fit all here. So, um, I think at the end of the day, boy, you know, within the last two years, T-Mobile has made a lot of progress and really kind of ramping itself into the enterprise services space. This is an area that, that they were not really focused on. You know, I've spoken to this in the past. Um, Sprint brought a lot of business acumen to the relationship. T-Mobile for many years was just very consumer disruptive focused. 
But now T-Mobile for Business is really um, is really sort of amping it up. And that award ceremony and that panel that I participated on this week, that was also one of the objectives there was to call attention to what T-Mobile for Business is doing here. And Callie Field is uh, the president of T-Mobile for Business. And I got to meet her for the first time, spend time with her. Um, she was on my delayed flight as well. And um, she's, got a, she's got a very, very uh, grand vision for where she wants to take things, but it's, it's baby steps, right? And so I think this is just a solid announcement. And um, I think uh, at the end of the day, um, it'll provide a lot of momentum for T-Mobile here. But, but hey, buddy, it's been another great podcast this week. We're a little late um, based on my, my travel delay on Friday coming back from Vegas, but why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights for a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Tone Tech and I'm at Anshel Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.